Welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, the podcast that brings you through the entire Bible in 260 days. Have you ever wanted to read the whole Bible but struggled to do so? This podcast is meant to help you do it. With five 15 to 20 minute episodes per week, you will hear the entire Bible read to you. There will also be occasional brief notes to help explain context, as well as a concluding question or thought to consider. So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 19. We are getting close to the end of a rather long book, the book of Genesis. And today's theme is the fact that we are saved by faith, that people are not Christians, they're not believing in God because they're better than other people or they do more good stuff than other people, but they're saved because they put their faith and their trust in Jesus. We see this throughout the stories and the readings again today. Beginning with Genesis 47. Joseph went and told Pharaoh, My father, my brothers, their flocks and herds, and all that they own have arrived from the land of Canaan. They are now in the land of Goshen. He took five of his brothers and introduced them to Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph's brothers, What is your occupation? They said to Pharaoh, Your servants take care of flocks, just as our ancestors did. Then they said to Pharaoh, We have come to live as temporary residents in the land. There is no pasture for your servants' flocks because the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. So now, please let your servants live in the land of Goshen. Pharaoh said to Joseph, Your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is before you. Settle your father and your brothers in the best region of the land. They may live in the land of Goshen. If you know of any highly capable men among them, put them in charge of my livestock. Then Joseph brought in his father, Jacob, and presented him before Pharaoh. Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Jacob, How long have you lived? Jacob said to Pharaoh, All the years of my travels are one hundred and thirty. All the years of my life have been few and painful. The years of my travels are not as long as those of my ancestors. Then Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from his presence. So Joseph settled his father and his brothers, He gave them territory in the land of Egypt, in the best region of the land, the land of Ramses, just as Pharaoh had commanded. Joseph also provided food for his father, his brothers, and all his father's household, according to the number of their children. But there was no food in all the land, because the famine was very severe. The land of Egypt and the land of Canaan wasted away because of the famine. Joseph collected all the money that could be found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan as payment for the grain they were buying. Then Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's palace. When the money from the lands of Egypt and Canaan was all used up, up, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, Give us food. Why should we die before your very eyes? Because our money has run out. Then Joseph said, If your money is gone, bring your livestock, and I will give you food in exchange for your livestock. So they brought their livestock to Joseph, And Joseph gave them food in exchange for their horses, the livestock of their flocks and herds, and their donkeys. He got them through that year by giving them food in exchange for all their livestock. When that year was over, they came to him the next year and said to him, We cannot hide from our Lord that the money is used up and the livestock and the animals belong to our Lord. Nothing remains before our Lord except our bodies and our land. Why should we die before your very eyes, both we and our land? Buy us and our land in exchange for food, and we with our land will become Pharaoh's slaves. Give us seed that we may live and not die. Then the land will not become desolate. 
So Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh. Each of the Egyptians sold his field, for the famine was severe, so the land became Pharaoh's. Joseph made all the people slaves from one end of Egypt's border to the other end of it. But he did not purchase the land of the priests because the priests had an allotment from Pharaoh and they ate from the allotment that Pharaoh gave them. That is why they did not sell their land. Joseph said to the people, Since I have bought you and your land today for Pharaoh, here is seed for you. Cultivate the land. When the crop comes in, give one-fifth of it to Pharaoh. The remaining four-fifths will be yours for seed for the fields and for you to eat, including those in your households and your children. They replied, You have saved our lives. You are showing us favor, and we will be Pharaoh's slaves. So Joseph made it a statute, which is in effect to this day throughout the land of Egypt. One-fifth belongs to Pharaoh. Only the land of the priests did not become Pharaoh's. Israel settled in the land of Egypt, in the land of Goshen, and they owned land there. They were fruitful and increased rapidly in number. Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. The years of Jacob's life were 147 in all. The time for Israel to die approached, so he called his sons, his son Joseph and said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, put your hand under my thigh and show me kindness and faithfulness. Do not bury me in Egypt. But when I rest with my fathers, carry me out of Egypt and bury me in the burial place. Joseph said, I will do as you say. Jacob said, Swear to me that you will do so. So Joseph gave him his word. Then Israel bowed down at the head of his bed. After these things, Joseph was told, Your father is weakening. So he took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, with him. When Jacob was told, Your son Joseph has come to you, he regained his strength and sat up in his bed. Jacob said to him, The sovereign God appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. He said to me, I am going to make you fruitful and will multiply you. I will make you into a group of nations and I will give you this land to your descendants as an everlasting possession. Now, as for your two sons who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt, they will be mine. Ephraim and Manasseh will be mine just as Reuben and Simeon are. Any children that you fathered after them will be yours. They will be listed under the names of their brothers in their inheritance. But as for me, when I was returning from Padanaram, Rachel died to my sorrow in the land of Canaan. It happened along the way, some distance from Ephrath. So I buried her there along the way to Ephrath, that is, Bethlehem. When Israel saw Joseph's sons, he asked, Who are these? Joseph said to his father, These are the sons God has given me in this place. His father said, Bring them to me so I may bless them. Now Israel's eyes were failing because of his age. He was not able to see well. So Joseph brought his sons near him, and his father kissed them and embraced them. Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see you again, but now God has allowed me to see your children too. So Joseph moved them from Israel's knees and bowed down with his face to the ground. Joseph positioned them. He put Ephraim on his right hand, across from Israel's left hand, and Manasseh on his left, across from Israel's right hand. Then Joseph brought them closer to his father. Israel stretched out his right hand and placed it on Ephraim's head, although he was younger. Crossing his hands, he put his left hand on Manasseh's head, for Manasseh was the firstborn. Then he blessed Joseph and said, May the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, 
the angel who has protected me from all harm, bless these boys. May my name be named in them and the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac. May they grow into a multitude on the earth. When Joseph saw that his father placed his right hand on Ephraim's head, it displeased him. So he took his father's right hand and moved it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. Joseph said to his father, Not so, my father, for this is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He too will become a nation, and he too will become great. In spite of this, his younger brother will be even greater, and his descendants will become a multitude of nations. So he blessed them that day, saying, By you will Israel bless, saying, May God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. Thus he put Ephraim before Manasseh. Then Israel said to Joseph, I am about to die, but God be with you, will be with you, and will bring you back to the land of your fathers. As one who is above your brothers, I give to you the mountain slope which I took from the Amorites with my sword and my bow. Tomorrow we'll continue, next time we'll continue with Jacob's blessing all of his sons and tells us a lot about who they are and what they are like. But notice again this interesting dynamic of the younger uh, being put ahead of the older. There's something that God is teaching already here about the fact that people are not chosen by merit or even being firstborn, but God in his grace and his mercy chooses people as he decides to choose them. And we continue today by reading Psalm 25, another Psalm of David, where David calls out to God to forgive him, to give him relief from enemies, and to be the continuing compassionate, faithful God that he is. So Psalm 25, by David. O Lord, I come before you in prayer. My God, I trust in you. Please do not let me be humiliated. Do not let my enemies triumphantly rejoice over me. Certainly none who rely on you will be humiliated. Those who deal in treachery will be thwarted and humiliated. Make me understand your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me into your truth and teach me. For you are the God who delivers me. On you I rely all day long. Remember your compassionate and faithful deeds, O Lord, for you have always acted in this manner. Do not hold against me the sins of my youth or my rebellious acts. Because you are faithful to me, extend to me your favor, O Lord. The Lord is both kind and fair. That is why he teaches sinners the right way to live. May he show the humble what is right. May he teach the humble his way. The Lord always proves faithful and reliable to those who follow the demands of his covenant. For the sake of your reputation, O Lord, forgive my sin, because it is great. The Lord shows his faithful followers the way they should live. They experience his favor. Their descendants inherit the land. The Lord's loyal followers receive his guidance, and he, he reveals his covenant demands to them. I continually look to the Lord for help for he will free my feet from the enemy's net. Turn toward me and have mercy on me, for I am alone and oppressed. Deliver me from my distress. Rescue me from my suffering. See my pain and suffering. Forgive all my sins. Watch my enemies, for they outnumber me. They hate me and want to harm me. Protect me and deliver me. Please do not let me be humiliated, for I have taken shelter in you. May integrity and godliness protect me, for I rely on you. O God, rescue Israel 
from all their distress. And we conclude today with uh, the next chapter in Galatians, Galatians chapter 3, where the Apostle Paul is explaining that people are not justified by the law or by what they do, but they are justified by faith in Jesus. Galatians 3. You foolish Galatians, who has cast a spell on you? Before your eyes, Jesus Christ was vividly portrayed as crucified. The only thing I want to learn from you is this. Did you receive the Spirit by doing the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? Although you began with the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by human effort? Have you suffered so many things for nothing, if indeed it was for nothing? Does God then give the Spirit and work miracles among you by your doing the works of the law or by believing what you have heard? Just as Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, so then understand that those who believe are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith proclaimed the gospel to Abraham ahead of time saying, All the nations will be blessed in you. So then, those who believe are blessed along with Abraham the believer. For all who rely on doing the works of the law are under a curse, because it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not keep on doing everything written in the book of the law. Now it is clear, no one is justified before God by the law, because the righteous one will live by faith. But the law is not based on faith, but the one who does the works of the law will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, because it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. In order that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles, so that we could receive the promise of the Spirit by faith. Brothers and sisters, I offer an example from everyday life. When a covenant has been ratified, even though it is only a human contract, no one can set it aside or add anything to it. Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his descendants. Scripture does not say, and to the descendants, referring to many, but, and to your descendant, referring to one who is Christ. What I am saying is this, the law that came 430 years later does not cancel a covenant previously ratified by God so as to invalidate the promise. For if the inheritance is based on the law, it is no longer based on the promise, but God graciously gave it to Abraham through the promise. Why then was the law given? It was added because of transgressions, until the arrival of the descendant to whom the promise had been made. It was administered through angels by an intermediary. Now an intermediary is not, one, is not for one party alone, but God is one. Is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that was able to give life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise could be given because of the faithfulness of Jesus Christ to those who believe. Now before faith came, we were held in custody under the law, being kept as prisoners until the coming faith would be revealed. Thus the law had become our guardian until Christ, 
so that we could be declared righteous by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. I know that may have been a bit difficult to to keep track of all the way through, but Paul's main point really is that you are saved by faith in Jesus, not by the works that you do. And that's the promise God made to Abraham. It's the promise God made through the entire Old Testament. And it's the promise that's fulfilled in Jesus because Jesus took the curse that should have come on us. And then when we put our faith and trust in him, having taken that curse in our place, Jesus gives his perfect righteous life. So that when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, the curse is removed, his perfect life is given, and we are completely saved by our faith, our trust in Jesus alone. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, http netbible.com, copyright 1996 2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music. <laughs>